Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith and I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing Valerie Solanas and the attempted assassination of Andy Warhol. Here's what you need to know. In the 1960s, Andy Warhol was one of the most notorious and legendary artists in the world. From his infamous Campbell soup cans to his Marilyn Monroe portraits, the pop artist used his subjects to highlight American consumerism and celebrity, and he made a fortune doing it. But on June 3, 1968, Warhol was the subject. As he walked into his Union Square studio, known as The Factory, a woman slipped into the elevator with him. When they both entered the office space, the woman pulled out a 32 caliber pistol and opened fire at Andy and a few other people congregated in the hallway. Andy fell to the ground, smashing into a desk. The woman approached him, pressed the gun against his side, and pulled the trigger. As Andy's business manager begged for his life, 
the elevator doors miraculously opened. She dashed off, riding the elevator back down to the streets of New York as sirens began to blare. The woman was Valerie Solanas. Born in 1936 in New Jersey, Valerie acted out in school from an early age, and she later would say she was sexually abused by her father. By 15, she had given birth to two children. Her daughter was raised by her parents as Valerie's sister, and her son was given to family friends. After studying psychology in college, she moved to Manhattan and engrossed herself in the city's avant-garde 1960s art scene. While she spent most of her adult years impoverished and homeless, she began writing and self-publishing Scum Manifesto, an acronym for the Society of Cutting Up Men. The text, which among many things, argued for the wholesale extermination of men and called maleness an emotional deficiency, was provocative and enigmatic, often reading as satire, though Valerie defended it as entirely serious. Valerie came into the scene during a period known as second-wave feminism, at times criticized for centering mostly around white, middle-to-upper-class women. Second-wave feminists such as Betty Friedan, Gloria Steinem, and Alice Paul advocated that women challenge gender roles by entering the white-collar workforce. Because of her economic struggles and radical positions, Valerie was on the fringes of the feminist movement. When she met Andy Warhol during one of his iconic parties at the factory, she shared a copy of her play, Up Your Ass, in hopes that he would produce it. Although auditions and rehearsals initially took place in the basement of the Chelsea Hotel, Warhol bowed out of the project and instead offered her $25 to appear in his erotic film, I, a Man. As Valerie struggled to make a living from her writing, she was continually evicted and turned to sex work. Her health deteriorated, and she became convinced Andy Warhol, as well as a publisher named Maurice Gerodius, were conspiring to suppress and censor her work. As her paranoia mounted, Valerie Solanas plotted his assassination. Three hours after the shooting, Valerie Solanas surrendered herself to the NYPD near Times Square, telling a traffic cop that Andy Warhol, quote, had too much control over my life. The next morning, the New York Daily News printed the front page headline saying, quote, actress shoots Warhol. In custody and charged with assault, Valerie demanded a retraction, telling the paper, quote, I am a writer, not an actress. Fun facts, aka death stats. Valerie sold copies of Scum Manifesto on the streets of Greenwich Village for $1, or $2.50 if the buyer was a man. In addition to Andy Warhol, Valerie shot art critic Mario Amaya in the hip and tried to shoot Warhol's manager, Fred Hughes. In the hospital, Andy Warhol was declared clinically dead for a minute and a half before he was resuscitated. Following the shooting, Andy Warhol was hospitalized for two months while recuperating from surgeries to repair his damaged lungs, esophagus, spleen, liver, and stomach. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest today is Anna Steckline Lau. Hi, Anna. Hello. Anna is the host of the podcast 
The Story of Woman. Each episode features an interview with a nonfiction author who has written a part of woman's story, looking at the economy, healthcare, and gender roles, and more. Anna, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your show? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a great summary right there, but... uh... (laughs) The idea behind it really is that, you know, I'm exploring man's world through woman's perspective. So we know that for pretty much all of history, the world has been kind of created and and run by men. And we know a lot of the implications of that, the wage gap, lack of women in leadership. But because this is how it's always been, it's kind of so deeply embedded into our world today that Mm -hmm. sometimes really hard to see. Um, all the implications. So what I do is just have conversations with people who have written a different part, exploring a different part of the world, but through the female gaze. And the idea is to add that perspective that's kind of been missing back into the story of the story of man, which is just that, to be able to finally see the whole picture. Mm. So you're, it's almost like we're having a, a guest expert for this episode. I know. I was going to say you're perfect. <laughs> oh, no. we got to reframe the story. Pre- pressure's on now. <laughs> Reframing the story. That's, that's it. That's right. But, uh, yeah. So I'll ex- just let you let, you know, why did this happen, man? Yeah, take the lead. <laughs> Even, just the fact that I said, man, come on. This oh. is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Anna, um, before we even jump jump in, we like to start off the show by asking our guest, what is something that is recently alarming you? What is something that's keeping you up at night? Well, let's see. I am recording this. I live in London. And yesterday, well, the UK oh. beat the hottest day on record mm. by three whole degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so I guess you could say I'm alarmed by the fact that the world is on fire. <laughs> it was all over our news yeah. broadcast here in the was States. It? Yeah. And yeah. I heard a factoid that 90, like 90% of houses in uh, Britain or something don't have AC. Is that something there's like, there's some crazy f- quote about them. Just, they just don't have AC. They don't need it. Is that heavy? They do- don't have AC. Cause yeah, you really don't need it except for maybe a few days a year. Oh, and yeah. this was completely unprecedented wow wow how did you and they don't even uh ice packs um because something else i find is an interesting factoid is that they also don't have ceiling fans over here (laughs) wow that's a that's a very american thing i think wow so no ac and no ceiling fans (laughs) they're not worried about airflow in the in the uk i guess guess. (laughs) (laughs) let's sit and simmer um yeah yeah so I mean, talk about Rebecca's trying to figure out a ha- transition. Yeah. That's right. That's right. This is talk about no topic. lack of airflow <laughs> between <laughs> it, when okay. it comes to the differences in gender. No, I have a better one. Okay. Talk about lack of airflow in an mm. elevator, which is what Valerie got on with Andy Warhol. Wow. Before there you go. we got there. Must have been stifling the in there. That's it right. Was. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, so I just wanted to read a little like timeline because I'm obsessed with timelines. Um, because they're like schedules. Um, okay. So they're like schedules, but backwards. That's right. <laughs> um, a little timeline before what happened before the shooting. Um, so it's, or, or actually during the shooting, how it all went down. This is at 2.30 p.m. 
We have Valerie uh, Solanus goes to the factory, which is at 33 Union Square West for uh, New Yorkers. Uh, I actually lived right next door. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, When I was in college. It's Uh, now probably a bank. Probably. Or a bar downstairs Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. um, like very expensive uh, apartments. Overpriced beer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Up top. Um, uh, uh, okay, so she's told that Andy is out of the office. So she waits around, and around 4.15 p.m., Warhol arrives at the factory. Um, his boyfriend, Jed Johnson, approaches from 17th and Broadway, carrying some fluorescent lights. Um, and Valerie joins them all three in the, in, to, in the building. So she enters with them. Mm-hmm. They're This is where things start getting suspicious. Uh, While waiting for the elevator, Warhol notices that Valerie is wearing a thick turtleneck sweater underneath a trench coat on a hot summer day. But he knows her, right? He knows her. But she's incognito, so he doesn't really recognize her? No, she's as Valerie. He, they say hi, and oh, she was someone okay. who went to the factory for, um, I think she was in a movie of his, she was right. frequented, um, she right. had given him uh, her play that she wanted him to produce. The only disguise that day was her motives. Mm. That's true, Chris. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like the dynamic, like, are they talking like, oh my God, what are you doing here? Or is this kind of like, hey, and then they're awkwardly standing on the elevator. I don't know? know. I wish I was there. I should state that this is uh, according to warholstars.org. This is a website I found online. This is what the timeline is from. Um, even stranger, she was on, she has on mascara and lipstick, even though as a diehard feminist, she never wears makeup. Warhol also notices that she's bouncing slightly on the balls of her feet, twisting a brown bag in her hands. Upstairs, Fred Hughes, who is Warhol's business manager, is sitting at his desk writing a memo. Morrissey, uh, Morrissey is uh, the director, is talking to Viva, who's the actress and Warhol superstar, on the phone, um, and she's calling. She's getting her hair done. <laughs> Uh, art critic and curator Mario Amaya is waiting for Andy in order to discuss an upcoming retrospective in London. Then Warhol, Jed, and Valerie arrive. Paul leaves the office to go to the bathroom, leaving Andy to talk to Viva. Jed goes into Warhol's private office. Je- I should state Jed is his um, longtime boyfriend. Uh, and... Andy signals to Fred Hughes to take over the conversation with Viva. That's when Valerie takes out the gun from the paper bag, fires a shot. Andy screams and he says, no, no, Valerie, don't do it. She fires a second time. He falls to the floor and tries to crawl under her desk. She fires a third time. The bullet enters Andy's right side, goes straight Mm. through him, coming out his left side of his back. Warhol later tells his friends, it hurt so much, much I wished I was dead. Thinking that she's killed Warhol, Solanus then turns to Mario Amaya, who is crouched on the floor. He fires a fourth shot at him. She misses, so she shoots again, hitting him slightly above the hip. The bullet goes through him without damaging any organs exiting from his back. Valerie Solanus points again at Fred Hughes, who begs her not to shoot him. I'm innocent, he protests. Please just leave. 
She walks over the elevator, presses the button, then returns to him, aiming the gun to his forehead, pulls the trigger, but it jams. She grabs a backup gun, a 22 caliber from the paper bag, but the elevator arrives and she leaves. As soon as she leaves, they call the ambulance and the police. So the ambulance arrives around 4.35 p.m. And instead of bringing the stretcher, okay, this is crazy. Instead of bringing a stretcher, the attendants arrive with a wheelchair to carry Warhol out. Andy says, I thought that the pain I'd felt lying on the floor was the worst I could ever feel. But now what I what I was uh, feeling in sitting position, I knew it wasn't. The ambulance takes both Warhol and Mario Maya uh, to the hospital. And the driver tells Mario, if you if we sound the siren, it'll cost five extra dollars. What? Uh, Mario replies, go ahead and sound it. Leo Castelli will play. I don't know who Leo Castelli. (laughs) Yeah, but it just, (laughs) Chris, could you look up who Leo Castelli is? Um, and, uh, okay. So they get to the hospital. Andy at 451 is pronounced clinically dead. The doctors cut open his chest, massage his heart. They're amazed by the damage caused by the bullet, which went through the lung, then ricocheted through the esophagus, gallbladder, liver, spleen, and intestines before exiting his left side. That's crazy. Leaving a large hole. He's dead for a minute and a half before they revive him. They operate for five hour, five and a half hours, removing his spleen, and he, of course, survives. Later that day at 8 o'clock, that's when Valerie walks up to a traffic cop and says, the police want me. They're looking for me. And she hands over the gun. And uh, this is a quote I, I saw uh, around there. Valerie Solana said, I just want him to pay attention to me. Talking to him was like talking to a chair. That's mm. what she said about Andy Warhol. Um, yes. Yeah, so just for that quote, Leo Castelli was a uh, art uh, dealer. Um, so I would guess he would have money and he would be sort of a, I guess, uh, somebody who would give these artists cash give him five times, bucks whatever. for the siren. So all that said, I feel like it's fair that we should probably put Valerie herself up, up on the board. Right. Well, <laughs> right. Well, the, 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 it sort of brings up the larger, broader point, right? Which is this episode. What, what is the tragedy? What can we look into? Because it's pretty open and shut who, who made this assassin, assassination oh, attempt. Right. There's no mystery there. Right. But um, what drew what what drove her and sort of what is her story Um, and and, you know, were there mitigating factors along the way in her life, I Mm -hmm. think could be could be interesting. And I see your wheels turning. Um, (laughs) We're going to let's start by pulling putting Valerie up on the board. Um, We won't make that mistake again. We have been known to not put the actual murderers up on the board in the past. Mm-hmm. Big I wonder, I have, based a, on that I have a quote too, that you said, Rebecca, yeah. about, it was like talking, Valerie said it was like talking to a chair. Do we put like Warhol's, is there something about his demeanor or like, well, maybe it's attitude? like, you know, it, I think it's like male gaslighting of women mm. probably. Why don't we also put up female? So this is something I found interesting. Female rage slash radical feminism. This is according to the New York Times column Overlooked. Really great article about this. 
Her attack on Warhol fractured mainstream feminist groups, including the National Organization for Women, whose members were split on whether to defend or condemn her. Those who defended her, including the writer T. Grace Atkinson and the lawyer Flo Kennedy, formed the bedrock of radical feminism and presented Solanus as a symbol of female rage. This is according to Descent magazine. That Solanus has entered the cultural lexicon as the vengeful feminist archangel perhaps has to do with those who rallied to her cause in the wake of the shooting. Her assault on Warhol and the caustic brilliance of scum compelled several prominent second wave feminists to seek her out and offer their support following her arrest. So I think this is uh, referring to the immediate response about Mm -hmm. what had happened. Right. Well, I guess the question is, you know, was this act kind of called for? What was the environment that Andy Warhol produced? And on that, like him being the kind of gatekeeper, there's also Mm. the whole fact of uh, that the only way to get her idea out in the world was probably she saw as to do something a little crazy, you know, Mm. because we know that history has a way of uh, silencing stories of of women generally, unless Mm -hmm. they misbehave in some way Mm. well right a disruptor the disruptor yeah disruptor um perhaps we can talk about um and put up on the board um not feminism but anti-capitalism okay okay let's talk about it this is according to dissent magazine uh though a flurry of media reports portrayed the attack as an outburst of militant feminist rage Solanus herself consistently stated that she had simply shot Warhol for stealing one of the few copies of her play, Up Your Ass, which she had asked him to repeatedly produce. Labor usually went uncompensated at Warhol's factory, and labor almost always seemed to go uncompensated for Solanus. She had also signed over the rights to the the Scum Manifesto in a slippery contract she would come to regret, and for which she also never saw royalties. Uh, now President T. Grace Atkinson met with Solanus in prison and recalled it had nothing to do with fem- feminism at all. It had to do with artists' rights. While Frieden's feminine mystique urged dissatisfied housewives to seek employment outside of the home, the Scum Manifesto advocated the radical idea of unwork or a perpetual labor slowdown until they eventually destroyed the fulcrum of women's exploitation capitalism. An expert, an excerpt from the scum manifesto reads, quote, life in this society being at best an utter bore and no aspect of society being at all relevant to women. There remains a civic minded, responsible, responsible, thrill seeking females only to overthrow the government, eliminate the money system, institute complete automation and eliminate the male sex. So that was the scum manifesto. I mean, I think for her, she, her, and and I believe she really, she really believed this, was she wanted to get rid of men. And you have to understand, too, like the, the I think context, I guess, is important for, for mm-hmm. this time. You know, it's the 60s. Again, second wave feminism. It must have been the the 60s must have been a, a crazy time. Mm. I can't I feel imagine. like to 
to Anna's point earlier and like the focus of our podcast too, it's like she's trying to look out for the the rights of artists. Like she she's constantly being under or not paid at all for work that she's trying to produce in a man's world where they mm-hmm. are the gatekeeper. So imagine the the rage at that, that you're just trying to um advocate for yes. artists, which is still a problem today, and being like shut down. I'd imagine like her, her womanness was easy to dismiss and be like, this is how we do it. I'm in charge. Like just get with the program. And I also feel like she was living, you know, you mentioned what the, what the sixties must've been like, you know, it's almost, she's calling for the complete elimination of men, mm-hmm. but she was living in a world where women were essentially completely eliminated. You right. know, they weren't in government. They couldn't even open credit cards without their husbands. They were completely voiceless. So she just like flipped that on its head. And that was pretty outrageous. How do we put that on the board? I love that. (laughs) You know, like that, like the invisibility of of women in society at the time. Like, yeah, I mean, that's like a patriarchal uh, cause, right? So, or or, um, result. So maybe patriarchy, it's, put patriarchy, patriarchy. On. but I, I, I like the specificity of it. It's like uh, patriarchy is like, like the, the erasure. <laughs> the, oh yeah. The erasure of women in yeah, a patriarchal society. Pa- yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's so important. Um, and even, I mean, yes, what what you're all saying is is exactly right. And it's it, even more than like artists' rights. It's like women weren't being paid for any of their services as well, right? So, I mean, we still see the wage gap right now. Um, but ba- back then, I'm sure there was so much work that women did behind the scenes that they were just not paid for. That must have been enraged. I, I, I would have been enraged. Mm-hmm. She was also known to be a brilliant her like very very smart person right it seems like if it were a different time she could have been interpreted in an entirely different way and been like really celebrated for her kind of i mean i know the 60s was like a really crazy time and there was a lot of avant-garde stuff going on but it's almost like the sexism trumped the her artistry and she was deemed too radical mm-hmm. although Warhol was also pretty radical right? right so how interesting that he was radical and accepted and she was kind of shut down I, I also want to talk about Valerie uh, because she did have untreated mental illness from oh what they've said New York Times column overlooked again said she was deemed unable to stand trial and was sent for a psychiatric evaluation at Elmhurst Hospital in Queens, where she received a diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia. On June 13, Solanus uh, was ruled insane by the Supreme Court of, of the state of New York and spent months in psychiatric hospitals. Brené Fa, author of Valerie Solanus's uh, biography, said Valerie's more coherent moments led to incredible bursts of humor, biting satire, fascinating insight and uncanny accuracy about the world. During her more acute breakdowns, her writing suffered and she had to direct her energies to her paranoid urges instead of towards her work. To imagine living in conditions where you cannot speak for fear that you are being watched and tracked, where you believe a transmitter has been placed in your uterus, where your only recourse is to run from police and dig into your skin with a fork trying to get those transmitters out. This is a truly tragic existence 
the one that leads to much speculation about Valerie's life, uh, what, what it would have been like had she gotten some help sooner. None of the mental hospitals really helped her much at all, aside from providing a place to sleep and feeding her at times three times a day. So since I was shot, mm -hmm. uh, okay, so a lot of, a lot is going on, right? It's not just the sixties. It's not just gender suppression. There's also, there's a, a mental, mental illness, illness that, that she's, she's having to deal with. Right. So when you think about like, oh my God, like what she could have been. And, and a lot of the, when you think about mental illness, especially during those times, it's like, it's not like women were taken seriously either. Mm. So what kind of help could she have gotten? It just felt like everything was stacked against her. The other thing about this is we can put on the board mental health care at the time. We've talked yeah. about this with Psycho. Sure. Uh, Let's put that up on the board. I also want to know, uh, this is from our researcher, Alex. She, she wanted to know that Andy Warhol's mental health was also impacted by the shooting. In an interview with the New York Times in 1968, he admitted, quote, since I was shot, everything is such a dream to me. I don't know what anything is about. Like, I don't even know whether or not I'm really alive or whether I died. It's sad. So, um, well, I was also thinking about, you know, kind of gone back a little bit, the mental health, and then even thinking beyond that is what was causing all of those mental health issues. Like she mm. had a horrific yes. childhood. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of that stemmed from men. Yes. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that we should put, cause she was sexually abused. Correct. She said she was sexually. Yes. She, so um, we should put like abuse, you know, by like by men on the board. And I saw somewhere that it was also by her dad. Yes, her this is what the uh, dad I think impregnated her. This is what the rumor is um, that um, he so he did uh, sexually abuse her as she also said her step. So her stepfather might have also uh, sexually abused her and she was sent away multiple times or, or she was sent away to uh, boarding schools, which that people say might have been just, I, I guess this was common at the time. You'd send them away to a school, uh, women who were pregnant, and they'd have their baby, and then they'd come back from boarding school, and no mm. one would talk about the baby that they had while they were away. So much um, shame around so all of much. that. And like rejection. I was, this is And like a lack a little, of power, too. Yes. Right. Well, as as the person being sent away, you feel yeah. very cast. Oh, I, and I can say this because I was sent to a boarding school for a semester <laughs> <laughs> and it felt awful uh, as like an eighth grader to be like, why am I being like cast to a different, you know, like what did I, it feels very like victim-y, like. Yeah. You're the one with the problem, right? Yeah. So get out of here. We don't want to get out of here. You. We don't want to look at you while you fix yourself. Or the or whatever <laughs> the 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 establishment is going to fix you, and then we'll you'll come back and you'll be all better, right? right? It's oh, like we don't want to deal, we don't want to yes. face things. I think there's room for that on the board, like society, like our inability to like tolerate the unnormal. You know what I mean? Like we are or our lack of like we don't know how to like handle mental illness. You know, mm -hmm. like if, if everything's not like even killed normal, we like freak out, so we want to just cast it aside so how do we what's the how do we stigma Ooh. Sure. mental health stigma mental yes health stigma. i like that i like that it's also the other you know mm -hmm. uh, our, our fear of otherness othering uh-huh i like that now there's a bunch of stuff i want to go through um 
so so uh, I'm going to try and do this quickly. This is Andy Warhol. I, I also want to put up his broken promises mm. toward Valerie. Um, this is according to Time magazine. Solana's shot and critically wounded Warhol, apparently outra- outraged by his rejection and the fact that he had lost his copy of her play. Brianne Foz, author of Valerie Solanus's biography, said, certainly the women associated with the factory had been much more critical of Andy's treatment of women in general, while the men in the factory seemed to have this unreflective and fantastic work worship of Andy that I find troubling artistically and personally. Still, Andy did have streaks of generosity and goodwill, taking into his scene misfits, losers, freaks, drug addicts, gender troublemakers of all sorts and eccentric artists. That said, I wholeheartedly believe that he made promises to Valerie that he later revoked or simply forgot about. And for Valerie, that constituted a serious offense. This is according to the Daily News, uh, New York Daily News in, in 1968 wrote, angrily, Valerie said there had been reports that I shot him because he wouldn't produce my play. It was for the opposite reason. He had he has a legal claim on my work. Warhol had me tied up, lock, stock, and barrel. I can't imagine how triggering that must have been for someone who is constantly pushed aside, right? And she finally gets the opportunity. Andy Warhol is like, okay, I'm going to produce it. And then come to find out he's lost the manuscript. Well, this is a, uh, she's also referencing in that last quote, she was referring to the a first look deal that oh, she signed with, with her publisher that had really, I don't think it had anything to do well, with Andy, but no, I, but I, he, they had a relationship. Connected. Yeah. Yeah. And they, she, they knew each other. And I think that was where the connection was Yeah, for her. Yes. Yeah. So broken promises. Yeah. This feeds also into limited outlets, I would say mm. for this kind of oh, vo- yeah. artistic voice. Mm-hmm. And I, part of me felt like a little bit, cause we said something, if she was, born in the wrong decade or whatever that how this would have been received nowadays even just as like satire or mm-hmm. dystopia dystopian like think about margaret atwood's handmaid's tale and yes. obviously yeah. that's that's obviously she she doesn't well actually she does say that everything that happens in that book has happened at some point um throughout all of human history fun fact okay. uh, but it is you know a story whereas this is a little bit different but i feel like you know dystopia and it's a way of presenting the future that to challenge people about what chris had said earlier about reflecting the current social and political environment right. so i feel like it could have been received very differently as some kind of cool dystopian novel yeah, I think the appetite for that kind of work is there's much more of one today than there was back then. Yeah, definitely. I always say I wouldn't want to try time travel um, because... The smell. <laughs> no. no. That's why I don't want to go to the mid- Middle Ages. Um, I always say because like, uh, no, whenever you go back, it wouldn't, it's just worse to be a woman as you go back. (laughs) Like as Mm -hmm. bad as you think it is right now, it's only worse when you go back. Um, I want to put up Sixie's assassination fad up on the board. Mm. This is according to Inside Edition. The March pre- uh, that March, President Lyndon B. Johnson announced that he would not seek re-election, opening the door for New York Senator Robert F. Kennedy as the Democratic favorite. In April, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in Memphis by white supremacist James Earl Ray. Two days after 
King's killing, the Black Panthers and Oakland police engaged in a shootout that saw 17-year-old Bobby Hutton shot dead as he tried to surrender. Two days after Warhol was shot on June 5th, Robert Kennedy was assassinated by Siron Siron as he spoke to supporters inside the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles. Quote, in the, in the 60s, America was in tumult. There was a lot of rage in the air, along with the hippy-dippy love fest that was the counter to that. And there were assassinations left and right. Culture critic Michael Musto said, things seemed to be helter-skelter and out of control. And it set the scene for Valerie Solanas, for somebody that unhinged to claim center stage in such a dark, dangerous way. I guess assassination was in the air. Terrifying. Mm. Again, what a scary time. (laughs) Let's also put the police up on the board. This is according uh, to Brianna Fah's biography and New York Times article. On the morning of the shooting, Valerie Solanas met with producer Margot Faden, hoping she would produce her play. New York Times said uh, Faden told Miss Solanas she was she would not stage it. She said Miss Solanas countered, oh, yes, you will, because I'm going to shoot Andy Warhol. As Miss Solanus was gone, Miss uh, Faden said she made an, any number of telephone calls to people who could have warned Warhol. She did not know how to reach him directly, she said, but called a cousin who knew Warhol. She said she also dialed her local police precinct, police headquarters in Manhattan, and the, New- and the city hall office of the mayor at the time, uh, John V. Lindsay. No one called back. Brianne Fa, a paraphrase from her book, said, in some instances, the police responded that, quote, you can't arrest someone because you believe she is going to kill Andy Warhol. And even asked Faden, listen, lady, how would you know what a real gun looked like? What? <laughs> That's what they said to her. Listen, lady, Jeez. how would you know what a real gun looked like? There's the 60s sexism creeping back in there. Oh, yeah. 60s sexism. How is that not, not up on the board? <laughs> that is a good way of encapsulating it. Yeah. I mean, we, there's so many different forms of sexism. You know, we got to be specific here. Mm, mm, that's right. Um, so is there anything else we want to put up on the board before we start knocking things off? Hmm. Have we forgotten anything? We probably have. We, we probably have. We do have a pretty uh, dense board for sure. I, I want to throw something up there. Uh huh. I want to throw up, I'll put it this way, artistic injustice. Mm. I think that personally, I don't love Andy Warhol's work. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> Un-American. But he clearly <laughs> has a knack for PR and kind of was a really... Um, important ambassador of alternative art mm-hmm. um, at that time. And, you know, great design, I, sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, I don't know. If I was an artist at that time and Andy Warhol was around and he was like making those Campbell soup cans, mm-hmm. I would be like, I, I, I'm mad about this. You're mad yeah. about the Campbell soup. You're yeah. either like eye roll or like brilliant. Like the, the, I feel like exactly <laughs> like I think, yeah, I'm just saying like if, you know, for artists that sort of just grind out their personal brand and, and work hard mm-hmm. and, you know, try and ply their craft and, and, you know, I think Andy Warhol was sort of like, a would, would have been a frustrating, <laughs> uh, 
you time know, to be an figure artist along to be with. around. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think especially when you put it in context of um of of he was a dude, he was a guy. And if you're a, w- a woman at that time, the 60s sexism, as you say, um, I think a woman would be even more sort of frustrated. It's like, what's this guy getting so much attention for? For soup cans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very eye rolly. She's like, yeah, I can imagine Valerie being like, I've got this, me- like, I don't know. I, I guess we should read the scum manifesto. But like, uh, you know, I've got this thing. I'm I'm, I'm, I want to say something about society. Not to say that Andy Warhol wasn't saying something about society in his own way. But I can see how frustrating that would be. Like this guy gets all the credit and the the money and the respect and mm-hmm. the fame. And I get nothing. He had our collective attention at the time. Right. It's not a meritocracy. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I think it's I think it's good. I mean, I'm always about the uphill battle that artists face. I feel like it belongs on the board in some mm-hmm. capacity. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll start knocking things off the list. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay, who's to blame for Valerie Solanas, the attempted assassination of Andy Warhol? Is it Valerie Solanas? (laughs) Female rage slash radical feminism? Not feminist, but anti-capitalism. Oh, you put... Sorry, not feminism, but anti-capitalism? Yeah. So that okay. Feminish. <laughs> uh, I, I, but there feminish. we go. Just a simple... Feminish. <laughs> yeah. Feminish. feminish is like... That's sort of like... It's like... A little bit feminist. It's a little feminist. <laughs> yeah. Ish, it's but ish. not totally. <laughs> uh, 
the erasure of women by the patriarchy. Yeah. Hypocrisy and gender. Mm. Untreated mental illness. Questionable mental health care. Mm. History of sexual slash mental abuse. Mental health stigma. Othering. Warhol's broken promises. Limited artistic outlets. 60s assassination fad. The police. 60s sexism. Or artistic injustice. What a board. What a board. <laughs> Let's <laughs> I'm already seeing a lot that we can fold into each other. Sure. Um first of all, I want to take female rage off the board. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that you know? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like sure. No, not not on my watch. Um, I think it's what caused the rage? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Female um, hysteria. Maybe we should put that on. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Thanks, Chris. Um, <laughs> um, okay, we have so much to fold in. I'm looking at the police. Okay, yes. I, I think mean, we can take them off the board. Yeah. They didn't do their job in but, that they didn't follow the leads. Perhaps because it was coming from a woman. Perhaps, but they only is only one tip. You know what I mean? And also, a, you you actually can't. I mean, you can't do anything on one tip. No, no, I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh, you can't like call. I, I'm pretty sure that I I'm not super. Um, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that you can't call the police and be like, I th- this person said they're they might be killing it's a threat they can't really do anything if it's a threat sadly it's it's a messed up part of the system hmm. it's like until they kill they can't do anything <laughs> it's so stupid but i think that sounds might problematic be a, uh-huh what else can we fold into each other here warhol's broken promises yeah i'm not saying that they didn't affect her they clearly did. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that, like, I'm sure he's she's not the first person that he made empty promises. Right. Well, here's the other thing is that she didn't kill him after she found out that he had lost her manuscript. She killed him after she made the connection between the person who she sold her the rights to her next work to she connected him with Warhol. And she that that's more conspiracy kind of in her mind. Mm. So I, I don't know that the broken promise, because, you know, she found out that he he told her, he's like, look, I don't know. I lost your manuscript. And she didn't do anything. Oh, mm. so you think that was way before? It was before. Yeah. Okay. So did we take it off? Yeah. I think we can take that off. Mental health stigma. Untreated mental illness. I feel like we can. Um, what came want- first, the stigma or the untreated? <laughs> oh, God, I know. Right? I feel like the stigma has always been there. Mm-hmm. The untreated is because we haven't known how to deal with the stigma and we're still, mm-hmm. even today, developing new methods of holistically treating mm-hmm. mental health issues. Well, you can also go back and it's, you know you can talk about mental health care at the time and roll those two things into that. We bring that back. Because, you know, if there was a sort of welfare system in place for people who were suffering from mental illness, then, you know, perhaps she wouldn't have resorted she had gotten to help. murder. They had taken it seriously. Mm-hmm. It's like all the social services, because even her childhood. Which right. Is filled with abuse. Yeah. So 
history of sexual mental abuse. Can we fold all of that into that? No, let's do it into the stigma. Okay. So we're going to fold untreated mental illness, questionable healthcare and history of sexual abuse into stigma. I changed my mind. We're going to fold all of that into untreated mental illness. Okay. And I think we can take othering off the board as well. Um, I also think um, not feminism, but anti-capitalism we can take off the board. Okay. Which kind of leaves us with, oh, oh, limited artistic outlets. What, yeah, what we have two. Our artistic injustice and limited artistic outlets are kind of. Yeah, those are overlapping. Yeah. So what do we fold into what? I think I feel- artistic injustice sounds good. Go ahead. Anna. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, and I was actually going to take it a step further and say mm-hmm. that those could almost both fall under the erasure of women by the patriarchy. Mm. Okay. Do those yeah. kind of yeah, I like feed that. into that? Sure. Yes. yes, completely. I also I also think that the 60s assassination fad, while it's not nothing, right? I, I, don't, I don't know if... Doesn't seem like that was our motivation. Yeah, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, but it's important to acknowledge that because... You know, as we see in modern society, that since Columbine, there were there have been these sort of copycat school shootings. Like, right, right. That that that's you know, I don't, I'm not like a sociologist or whatever. Right, but, it's not nothing. It's, it's yeah. It's there's definitely, definitely something. Got to be something to that equation. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But I but I would agree. I don't think it's it, cl- clearly there was a lot other a lot of other things going on. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we are left with Valerie herself, Valerie Solanas. The erasure of women by the patriarchy, hypocrisy and gender, uh, untreated mental illness, and 60s sexism. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing this right. But yes. <laughs> Whatever your instinct is, yes, it's right. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> for the sake of folding more into each Love other, it. I would say probably 60s sexism and even hypocrisy and gender could be folded yeah. into the erasure of women by the yeah. patriarchy. Yeah, I was thinking I, I think those too. Right. And so so we're left with the big three here, and we're going to have to make a decision between Valerie, uh, the erasure of women, and untreated mental illness. Those It's going to be hard to pick. I'm leaning, I'll tell you what I'm leaning towards, and you, all of you tell me, I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I'm leaning toward sending the erasure of women by the patriarchy to the alarmist jail mm-hmm. and slapping untreated mental illness or Valerie Solanas for actually committing the crime. But I think it's more the mental illness, to be honest. I think the jail is right on. And I kind of, I'm with you in terms of the big slap too for the untreated mental illness. I mean, seems like Valerie was definitely like she's kind of painted as the villain, but there's a lot of, uh, she was really a victim in a lot of ways in this yeah. situation. Well, and, and, and with some of those reports about her behavior, um, I think it's, you know, I don't know from a modern lens, it's pretty clear she was suffering yes. uh, pretty mm-hmm. badly from uh, this untreated mental illness, uh, schizophrenia, right? Yeah. Paranoid, and, and paranoia. suffering from society. The way right, women right. are treated in society. Yes, which is almost like a, a layer on top of this um, mental illness. Or maybe it was part of what caused, what pushed her to this mental illness. Um, but either way, I think to blame her 
I, I, I don't. Doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. Um, what do you think, Anna? Yeah, that's what I was thinking that the erasure of women by the patriarchy in her, you know, I just see it as in the 60s and how awful it was. But that's really that was just up until present day. But that stem, there's a long history of that and everything that she experienced then kind of caused that that stemmed from that kind of caused right. the mental illness yeah. in the first place. So I see that as the ultimate cause. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so I'm going to call it untreated mental illness. You're getting the big slap. The erasure of women by the patriarchy. You're going to the alarmist jail. And again, doesn't feel good. Doesn't feel reason, right? this one does not feel good. Why? Why is that? I don't know. Why it's just depressing. It, I think. I think so. I I think it feels good in that it's in jail now. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the thing about that though, the patriarchy has a sneaky way of getting out. <laughs> I know. It's like time and time again. Unreal. Well, they mansplain how to lock the the. <laughs> <laughs> to sell and what they're actually doing is telling our guards that the wrong way to lock the cell yeah. and that's one of their moves yeah they're sneaky you gotta be stay alert um anna i gotta thank you so much for helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for the attempted assassination of andy warhol thank you so much for having me this was a blast i'm glad we were able to uncover it <laughs> <laughs> And uncover it, we did. (laughs) (laughs) Following the shooting, Andy Warhol chose not to press charges against Valerie Solanas. Solanas was indicted on charges of attempted murder, assault, and illegal possession of a gun, but was declared too mentally unstable for trial. After being committed to a mental hospital and given a schizophrenic diagnosis, she stood for trial in June 1969 and pleaded guilty to reckless assault with intent to harm. She was sentenced to three years in prison and served one year. Andy Warhol underwent several surgeries following the shooting. On February 22, 1987, his heart gave out while recovering from a gallbladder surgery. He was 58. On April 25, 1988, Valerie Solanas was found dead in her room at the Bristol Hotel in the gritty Tenderloin neighborhood of San Francisco. She was found kneeling next to the bed, covered in maggots, and she apparently had been dead for five days. The cited cause was pneumonia. She was 52. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Molly Hockey. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the Mountain Meadows Massacre.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.